my first lieutenant, I'll tell you about him in a minute, once suggested that we enlarge the trophy list to read DSO-1 and bar, DSC-1, DSM-3. That didn't seem a very good idea, either then or now. But we did get those aircraft, and we did get those seven e-boats and all the rest, and I suppose the medals were, in a way, the same sort of trophies. It seemed to me, though, that it needed a special kind of outlook, unusual in our job, to paint them up in black and white for all the world to see. The ship carried a crew of twenty-two, mostly gunnery ratings, and two officers. I was the captain of MGB-1087. The other officer for nearly three years was my first lieutenant, George Hoskins. It's extraordinary how close you can be to a man and how many times you can owe him your life— and vice versa, and still know nothing about him. I liked Hoskins for his good qualities, exhibited on many occasions, his guts, cunning, and ruthlessness, all essential, beat-up attributes. And I shut my mind to the rest. He ran the ship efficiently. The guns were always clean, the engines smooth as machine oil, the ship's company well-organized and well-looked after. But there was always something else, something I didn't know about and didn't want to know. Perhaps it was in his eyes. Hoskins was a small man, neat, an RNVR lieutenant who had been some sort of salesman before the war. We were together during all those three years, and he never let me down on any of the dozens of occasions when that might have happened. He won his DSC, the one he wanted to chalk up as an advertisement on the six-pounder gun shield, and he deserved to win it. But somehow his eyes said that the thing was all advertisement, that the point of the war was not really sinking e-boats and downing aircraft and killing Germans, but selling MGB-1087 and Lieutenant Commander Randall, DSO, and Lieutenant Hoskins, DSC, to the Admiralty, and, through them, to the public, as the ace outfit of coastal forces. In a way, he had plenty of facts to support him. She was a wonderful ship with a wonderful record. We did make the headlines on a lot of occasions. The basic virtue of that, however, was not in the headlines, but in what we did to earn them. The actual sunk ships, the actual dead Germans, the actual few steps nearer to winning. I don't think Hoskins ever saw it like that. Whenever we came back into harbour, with the dawn breaking behind us, and the ship perhaps scarred by machine-gun fire and an entry in the deck log, such as 0125 sunk one e-boat to tell the story of a wild, nerve-testing night, something in his eyes seemed to say, "'This ought to get us into the newspapers again. We ought to get another medal. I ought to get my half-stripe with more money. We might even make it two e-boats.' Hoskins had a recurrent joke, if you can call it a joke— Whenever I remarked on the way he boosted the ship's reputation, he used to answer, "'In this war you've got to look after number one.' Number one, as you probably know, is the Navy slang for the first lieutenant. He was the first lieutenant. Perhaps it wasn't a joke after all. My doubt of his genuineness was often there, but I had only one concrete example to go on. It was a very small matter when you look back on it. The question as to whether or not we had shot down an aircraft and whether we should claim it as a certainty. We had been caught one morning at first light, still on the wrong side of the channel, and still searching for the crew of a Lancaster bomber which had come down into the sea off Dunkirk. We never picked them up, but we were picked up ourselves by a patrolling JU-88, which nipped in from seawards and tried to dive bomb us. On his way down he was squarely hit by our Ehrlichans, 
We were very ready on the trigger that morning. You could see the bits flying and scattering behind him, and then he leveled off overhead without letting his bombs go. With a thin plume of black smoke streaming out of his tail assembly, he disappeared inshore and out of our lives. I never thought for a moment that we could claim that Junkers as shot down, since he was still going strong, and it was obvious that he would at least reach his own coastline. But Hoskins, writing up the deck log as we set course for Dover, entered the incident without batting an eyelid as one enemy aircraft destroyed. I said, Oi! And then, We can't put that number one. He was still flying for home, happy as a lark. Hoskins eyed me, smiling. A lark with a pretty sore tail? He'll never make it, I'm damn sure. We both had to shout about the sea noises and the roar of the packards going full out. You saw the bits and pieces. He was on his way down. I shook my head. He was losing height very slowly. He was